Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. This predicted snow must be a very nice snow. It's only going to go onto the lawns. (laughs) Wow. No, that's because the hardscapes have already warmed up and... Wet snow is just going to melt very fast, so it's going to hit the roads, it's going to hit your patio, it's going to hit your sidewalk, but it's not going to stick. On the ground, the ground is still cold. You know, there's no getting around it, but uh, it's getting warmer and warmer and warmer. That's why flower buds are starting to open up and insects are going to be out there. Anyway, this is a second hour of the Garden Hotline. I'll be giving the tip of the trial shortly, but right now you can call 314 314- Four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty with your questions, concerns, or comments. Thanks for having me on your show. And uh, guess what? We can talk about annuals. I still I'm going past the garden centers and I'm not seeing any pansies at the garden centers. We love, or I do, and Tracy loves to look at them. Uh, put pansies in window boxes at our kitchen window, and then usually some by our front door as well. So annuals, your bulbs, your daffodils, and things like that. If you were listening to the Good Gardening Stroll earlier, the Abusi Park, the daffodils, actually the flower buds are up. They're not open yet, but they, you can see them. The daffodil foliage in my yards, no flower buds yet, just leaves. Your edibles, the gentleman with the garlic question last hour, don't fertilize it. And your ground covers, your house plants, your lawn, perennials, roses, trees, shrubs. And let me share my thoughts, comments, and opinions, but certainly not the only garden path to take, but strictly offered for you to consider. Gregory is here producing again today. And, uh, you know, Greg is a great producer. He was trying to coordinate some things with a, a broadcast through, I guess, our system or something back to Nashville. And, man, he was all over the place. So, he did a great job. But uh, I do walk and talks. This is a landscape consultation where I come to your home and uh, we take a look at things that are really problematic that you notice and also things that you may not be you know, thinking about that could be problematic either right then or in the future. So you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, the homepage, and my email address and phone number is listed right there. So I'll come to your home. Like I said earlier in the first hour, I'm going to Dardine Prairie after the show today. The tip of the trial is a special recognition for individual group or a situation that's made an impression on me. And it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. This is kind of a special tip of the trial. Tracy and I went to the pasta house on 141 yesterday. And it was about uh, 2, 3, 2.30 or 3 o'clock when we were there. And stupidly, I left something on the table, you know, while I was at the pasta house. We got up and we started to leave and everything else. Now, TJ, who works at the pasta house, he found what I had just left. He actually went to the trouble to try to find. He found me and said, did you leave this? And I said, 
Oh, gosh, how stupid of me to leave that. So anyway, a tip of the trial goes out to TJ, who works at the Pasta House on 141, just a little bit west of 55. Also, a tip of the trial goes out to the city school bus drivers. Now, I know they're not city school bus driver buses, but they, they do transport the city kids. Our streets are so narrow in the city when I, you know, when I take my walks or whatever, I see them trying to make these turns around these corners and stuff. The patience that these drivers have, these school bus drivers, is absolutely amazing. So TJ at the Pasta House and the school bus drivers both get a tip of the trowel. And then finally, tip of the trowel goes out to the Botanical Garden. The Orchid Show is going to continue on for another couple weeks till the 22nd. So if you haven't seen the Orchid Show yet, you better get down there and check out the Orchid Show at the Botanical Garden. It is always just totally, insanely wild, crazy. I mean, it's almost breathtaking. And I probably am going to take my Good Gardening Stroll next Saturday because that's going to be almost the last week it's going to be on that, uh, you know, at the Orchid Show. I haven't decided yet, but anyway. So, well, I guess it goes to the 25th. So that's for the Orchid Show at the Botanical Garden. So it's a tropical oasis brimming with color, and, I mean, it always has a unique theme. So if you want to see something really unusual, head down to the Botanical Garden for the Orchid Show. So, again, thanks to TJ at the Pasta House for saving me a lot of grief because I was so dumb. But he's, thanks, TJ. And Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. I will be back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller. Sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX. Yes, folks, any questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. If you have iris flags, you know, the classic kind of iris. Now, there is an insect called iris borer. And the iris borer, what it does is it lands on the on the foliage, then bores down through the foliage, and then gets into the tuber slash root of the iris, and then causes major damage. So always remember, if you've got some old foliage, you know, of your iris, it should have been cut out and taken out pre- prior to this. But if you haven't done it yet, get rid of it ASAP. Bob lives in South City. Bob, how are you today? I'm pretty good. How are you? Very good. I got a question. Would you have any idea what the life expectancy is of a dwarf crabapple tree? That shouldn't be any more or any less than a regular crabapple tree. So we're probably looking at 25 years plus. Oh, okay. I've had mine about 18 years, and I keep it trimmed back every year. Mm -hmm. And it's been doing great, but right now I don't see any little buds trying to come out on the branches. It could be exposure or anything else. I wouldn't worry about it because it's still very early. Much Many of the trees, you know, I've looked at crab apples in a couple different locations. The one I saw this morning in Abusi Park, it was just starting to open up. But I've seen crab apples in the last few days that are not, the buds are not opening whatsoever. So don't worry. Okay, thank you. Yep. And now let's go to Maryville, Illinois, and that's where Joe lives. Hi, Joe. Hi, Mike. Good morning. Hi. I got some... Uh apple, little pear trees, ornamentals in the yard, kind of close together, and I'm worried about fire blight. Is there anything I can do now to prevent that? I don't even know what it is. It's a, you know, it's a bacteria that's spread by insects, by beetles, basically, and what it is is it turns the tips of your branches black. 
So if you've got fire blight, once it's there and it's internally inside whatever type of tree it is, there's not really too much you can do. And the preventative thing, it's more insect control than anything else is going to you know, be the, the best preventative. So I should spray an insect control over the trees? Only if you see and you notice there's insects because, like I continue to say, the majority of insecticides are contact killers. But what you can do is get a, a systemic type insecticide or with, depending upon how large these trees are, there's an injection system with insecticides that puts, you know, you get it inside the internal part of the actual tree. And then if anything causes, you know, let's say a beetle or something tries to get into your tree or other type of insects eating on the leaves, then it kills them that way. So if the ends of the branches turn black, that's the end of the tree. Basically. It's, you know, it may take several years. Some people just cut off the, you know, the let's say the fire blighted areas and just, you know, the tree can go on for several years. It doesn't mean it's going to die quickly, but yeah, that's basically, there's nothing that can be done once it's inside the tree. And if the trees are within feet of each other, it's kind of the whole thing. Uh, not necessarily. I mean, it can be transferred. Let's say the trees are close to each other. So the brand, so the root systems grow over the top of each other. And many times when they grow over the top of each other, they kind of open up to each other and so it can be transmitted that way as well. So if one tree gets it, would it be best just to cut that tree out immediately? Yeah. If you, save the others? Yeah, you know, that would be certainly something to consider. But uh, outside of a, what kind of a spray should I get now? Just a regular insecticide. And only if I see insects around? Yeah, I mean, like I say, just to spray randomly is really not going to do all that much good. I mean... The insecticide has to hit the insects, and if there's no insects there to hit, then you're just spraying for the sake of spraying. Oh, so it has to, I, I see, I see, I thought it was something they would come and eat, eat the insecticide. Or no, 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 nothing quite that exotic. <laughs> All right, thank you. <laughs> Certainly. Let's stay in Illinois. Let's go back to Bethalto for the second time today, and that's where Tim lives. Hi, Tim. Hi, Mike. How you doing? Good. Hey, I really enjoy your show, and I got a question that uh, probably a lot of people have a problem with. I have a dog, and she, wherever she urinates, she kills my grass. Right. I just wonder if there's anything besides watering that I can do to prevent this or to keep it from killing the grass. It's a, it's a very difficult circumstance. What you can do is you can get some gypsum. Now, unfortunately, if she's got a certain spot that she goes, you know, like usually dogs, you know, in a yard have a routine spots where they go and put the gypsum in those areas. Gypsum seems to link into, you know, let's say the, the quality of what the urine is, the, the alkalinity and everything else, and then carries it down and minimizes the amount of damage that's being done to your lawn. Okay. Well, what can I do about the existing spots that are brown? Basically, ra <laughs> rake them up and, you know, put a little compost, you know, kind of work that into the soil and put some more seed down. Okay, thank you, Mike. Yep. I can get this gypsum from a garden. Uh, yeah, all okay. garden centers should have it. Okay, thank you so much for your help. Certainly. And there are you know, specific products that you could go to, like, pet store companies, and they, will, they may have that as well. So there are other specific products, but I just know, you know, I've not used those products, but I know the gypsum, you know, historically has worked. So let's go now from Bethalto to South City, and that's Ron's yard. Hi, Ron. Hi. Uh, got two large holly trees 
maybe 12 to 15 foot high, about uh, 10 to 12 foot wide. What can I do to fertilize to increase the color? Basically, they need salt, so they're getting they're fading as far as color goes. Yes. So you need to go to your favorite garden center and get some sulfur, get some iron sulfate is the best thing to do. So iron sulfate. Right, and so just follow the directions on the label on how to apply it. And if you don't need regular fertilizer or anything else, just get the iron sulfate versus an acidic, you know, fertilizer for because that will have the iron and the sulfur both, but it'll have fertilizer as well. Acidic. Right. Okay. Acidic fertilizer or iron sulfate. Okay, good. I shall do that. All right. Thank you. Certainly. Yeah, I mean, the broadleaf evergreens, it's tough here. Our soils, you know, just in general are not, you know, acidic. So we bring all these exotic plants in that are broadleaf evergreens, and they go, ooh, after a while, they absorb up all those nutrients as far as the iron and slash sulfur is there. And then, well, the sulfur really kind of changes the soil pH so the plant can pull in the iron, and the iron is what keeps the foliage greener. So Sandy lives in uh, Granite City. Hi, Sandy. Hi, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, I I get so frustrated. My my lawn is soysia, and the past several years we've had mold problems. And we've hired professionals. We've, We've bought all of these things that, you know, say that'll get rid of them. Uh, but it hasn't. I mean, I have a shepherd's rod in my front yard, and it is leaning so much from the from the ground being so soft, and you know where the moles have made uh, tunnels. Right. Uh, is there anything you recommend that would help me get rid of these? Basically, moles eat earthworms. So you have a nice yard. That's why you have a lot of earthworms. So consequently, that's why you have the moles. Now, right now, the moles of females have had their babies, you know, either right now or a couple weeks ago in February. So, what, you know, normally you're only going to have one or two moles per yard because they're certainly somewhat territorial. So, if these companies have come in and got rid of the moles, you know, at that particular point, what happens is moles that are living close by that the, you know, the yard they're living in doesn't have enough earthworms. Then they go, oh, this place sounds a lot better. And that's how the moles, where the tunnels go. They listen for the earthworm movement, and that's where the tunnels are going, towards that. They certainly do eat grubs and other things nearer the surface, but their main diet is the earthworms. And there's, I mean, truly the traps, that's about the only thing that's effective. But it's just to get rid of the moles that are right there at one time doesn't mean you're not going to have moles again. Because, you know, I have a lawn service, too, and they always do the grub treatment, and they say the grubs can get rid of the earthworms, and that, you know, but it's like a vicious circle. I thought earthworms were good for my plants. And they the, are. But, uh, my, you know, my, it, it's, when I walk on my lawn, it's like, you know, it's not solid feeling at all. Right. So, I mean, what it is is you've got a very nice yard, and you've got a lot of earthworms. So, and that's good for your, I mean, it says your soil's good and everything else. Your soil in Granite City is nice. And so, consequently, and for the lawn service to say, if we get rid of the grubs, you get rid of the moles is really wrong. Oh, okay. So, I'm paying for that for nothing. Right. I mean, it does help. I mean, it is, it's kind of like you can go to a restaurant and you can have a full meal, that, which is wonderful. That's what the earthworms are to the mole. But also with that meal, you decide you want to have an appetizer. 
That's what the grubs are or the millipedes or the centipedes, all that other stuff that is right below the surface. So consequently, earthworms is their main diet, and then the other stuff are just appetizers. Well, you know, my, my husband passed away a couple of years ago, so I have somebody cutting my grass and stuff. And, and he says, when I see the, the ground moving, to call him, and he'll come over and try to move him up or something. <laughs> I don't know how to tell that, you know. Oh, you, I mean, you can see it, because if they're tunneling, it'll pop up the ground. But the thing is, too, moles have two different tunnels. They have the surface tunnel. That's the buffet line. That's the food line. Then they have a tunnel that's about a foot lower. That's the one that goes back to the area where they sleep, where they have their babies and other things. So there's two. That's why sometimes you'll see piles of dirt in your yard. You go, where does this dirt come from? It's where there's a secondary tunnel, the lower tunnel, because they can't lift it up like they do on the surface. So they have to push the dirt up to the surface. That's why the piles of dirt are there. Okay. And there's nothing I can do? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> nothing I can do about it? No, basically, you know, the traps are about the best, most effective thing there is. There's, I mean. And, I had someone doing that, yeah, but it didn't seem to work, you know. I mean, right. I mean, they have to, the traps have to be moved basically daily. Oh, okay. Well, they were coming, you know. Or every off. couple days. Yeah. Um, I paid them several hundred dollars to, you know, supposedly right. get rid of them. Right. Um, okay, just, and traps I could get, like, at Rule King or someplace like that? Yeah, I mean, uh, most, any place that says garden stuff, you want a Victor Spear or a Choker Loop trap. They're not easy to set, I won't, you know, I'm not going to fool you. I mean, just to pull them up so you can set them, you got to be pretty darn strong, but you sound pretty strong. Uh (laughs) Well, I don't know. Well, my my, uh, lawn guy couldn't be anyway, but then I have to check them every day. Yeah, you have to move them. If you don't get a mole in that day, then you have to pull them up out of the ground and put them in a new spot. Oh, boy. Okay. And it's called Victor Spear? Right, Victor Spear or Choker Loop Trap. So thanks, Sandy. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, thanks to everybody who has called prior to this. Not just today, but the other 20-plus years I've been fooling around on with the Garden Hotline. Let's go to Carol's Yard, and Carol lives in Florissant. Hi, Carol. Hi. I have two questions for you. Uh, the first one is about trimming a tree, uh, the flowering dogwood. When's the best time for that? Basically and right after it flowers. Right. Okay. Because if you fl- if you prune it now, you're cutting off the potential flower buds. They're all on the end of, ends of the branches or where, you know. Some of the you know, some of them have flowering in other places, but the little round things at the end of the branches, those are flower yeah. buds. Okay, good. Well, I'll I'll wait. <laughs> <laughs> and the other one is um, about fertilizer, like for the lawn, fertilizer or weed and feed. What is the um, what do you think is better, the liquid or the granular? Well, personally, I have a smaller yard, so I like the liquid. But I understand that there's certainly you know. Using a granular type thing, the granular is, you know, they both have their advantages slash disadvantages. But Uh the granular, you know, is a little bit more concentrated. You do have to water it in to get the big impact. But, um, you know, I mean, as long as it's the numbers and it's all the other micronutrients in there, the, the three major numbers in the fertilizer, 
is nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. That's the major quality of fertilizer. Then there's micronutrients. So it's really more what is in the fertilizer as opposed to how you put it down. Okay. All right. That's what I was kind of wondering because I have a small yard too and it's so much easier to use the liquid. Yeah, right. But, <laughs> so, I mean, right. I fill up a spreader and, you know, I go, I, my backyard, <laughs> it's like, huh? Why? Yeah. No, I try to fool around with it. I've always monkeying with things, but it just, I'm you know, sort of attached to the liquids. Okay. That's that just personal. That's not to say I recommend it for anyone else or anything else. Right. Well, thank you very much. Certainly. Thanks, Carol. And now let's head out to Villa Ridge and see what's going on with Chris. Chris, how are you? Hey, Mike. Uh, thanks for taking the call. Sure. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. Oh, good. Okay. I had two questions for you. Um, one is um, I'm in a unique position with my backyard. It's devastated so bad that uh, I took my cultivator on my uh, tractor and just kind of plowed it up. Whoa. And so I'm ready to probably put in the compost and then buy some sod for the backyard and then parts of the the farther part of the yard in the pasture uh, I did the same thing and I kind of want to um, probably seed that so I don't spend as much money on sod but right. what I was looking for is timing on doing that um, as far as getting you know is it going to be the same timing to put the seed in and the sod in or is it different no, you should probably, the sod is not available yet at the garden centers, but the seed germination, you know, go to your favorite garden center and get a soil thermometer and just start sticking it in the ground and find, once you start to see the soil temperature getting, get above 50 degrees, that will trigger this germination. But since you've just kind of churned everything over, now understand you're probably going to have a major weed problem. Yes. Yeah, that's kind of one. And I so, I mean, I <laughs> any kind of, let's say, newly germinated seed any place, any kind of herbicide that you put down is probably going to kill newly germinated seed. So the sodding oh. area, that's not as impact, you know, impacted, but the weeds are still going to push up through the sod. So just understand, you know, that's the kind of the case. If, you know, oh, personally, okay. I don't know how big these areas are, how muddy it's going to be or anything else, but I'd kind of hold off as far as doing anything if you can and try to get some of the weeds under control before you put any sod or any seed down at all. Oh, kind of hit it with Roundup and kill everything. Exactly, because it's just going to create a havoc, you know, for you. Because churning soil over is just ideal for weeds. I mean, there's, I gotcha. that's I. I mean, it's, it couldn't. It's Nirvana. There's no getting around <laughs> it. And so sod the is going to come out. It's coming out of a sod farm where everything was just heaven for that and it comes out to uh, your place and go they go what you're putting me out here so yeah anyway. with all this other stuff and my second question relates to um in my lake i have a significant cattail problem and um it they basically have gone all the way around the lake and what i did when the ice was on it this winter is burnt off a lot of it right and i still have some to get rid of but is there what's a solution to, you know, kind of localizing that better. Maybe, you know, take, I, I wouldn't mind having some, but I want to kind of kill other. And I mean, some people have told all you can tell me, all you can do is cut them out, but is there any, any other options like um, a roundup for cattails or 
anything like that? I don't know about you know that because I don't know what else that's in your water that may be impacted by that. But to me, I would get my hip waders on and start digging. Because if you just kill off the, you know, if you burn off the top or anything else, the root systems are still there. you got to get the root systems out. Right. And okay. so, I mean, the reason why I'm saying that is because at the Botanical Garden and the Japanese Garden, they had a cattail problem, too. Now they finally wow. built a wall to, you know, to retain it. But, you know, they also had a problem with a couple other aquatic-type plants. But consequently, the only way to get rid of it was to get in there and physically take it out. Okay, so I'm probably going to have to get a something. It's a three-acre lake, so I've got to <laughs> go around oh, it. Oh, wow. And have a way to I, I devise something that will kind of scrape the bottom is what you're telling me. Exactly, right. Out. A backhoe or something like that. Yeah, actually, a backhoe is a good idea. So, Okay, well, thank you, Mike. I really appreciate it. Yep, good luck with that. And also, you know, with the seed, if you're not really into lawn and that kind of stuff— you know, once you get your weeds under control, consider putting in Dutch white clover. There's nothing wrong with having clover versus a classic grass because clover is tough. It also fixes nitrogen out of the air, and ultimately it can be to the advantage of the, you know, everything kind of in that area. So unless you're, like I said, stuck on lawn, think about the Dutch white clover seed. And make sure if you do get this Dutch white clover seed that it has an inoculant on it. So. Thanks, Chris. And now let's go to uh, Ray. Or, yeah, Ray in South County. Hi, Ray. Hi. I listen to you every week, and I really enjoy your program. Well, thanks. You, and you've never steered me wrong. <laughs> My question is, this coming weekend, we're going to have mulch put down in five flower beds. Now, if I put the preem on top of the mulch, will that work? Uh, it all depends on how thick the mulch is going to be. Probably about an inch and a half. I would probably, my tendency would be to probably put the preen underneath the mulch. Okay. Because preen is a pre-emergent. So it's like, you know, pre-emergent in grass. Right. So if you put it higher up, you know, on top of the mulch, yeah. consequently the weeds are already germinated below the mulch if there are some there. And the, the preen is not going to do a darn thing, except maybe if weed seeds blew in on top of the mulch. Okay. So I'd put See. the preen down first. I got two different people. I got one guy going to do the mulch, and I got a gal that does all the weeds later. So I need to get her out here first. Right, exactly. And he does the uh, mulch. Right, and if they can get this mulch put down as soon as possible after she puts the preen down, that's going to be better because the preen, any of the pre-emergence, what they do is create a barrier, like a okay. film on the surface. Now, if, these, if she puts it down and the preen has already started to create its barrier because it's been watered in or whatever, it's spread out, and these guys come out and start stomping around on this when they're putting the mulch down, they're going to break this barrier entirely. Okay. So, and then the weeds are going to come up through these, let's say, stomped areas. Okay. So I'm still better putting the preen down first, though? Yeah, I would probably do that, but, uh, you know, if you don't have a historic, you know, weed problem as far as, let's say... the Crabgrass and those summer type weeds. I don't know if I'd bother with a preen unless you just feel like you're you want to be more comfortable if you do put it yeah. down. But it's uh, you know if you haven't had a weed problem in these beds, I wouldn't worry too much about it. See, two years ago it was a disaster. I had everything growing in them, and they cleaned them out real good. And then last year there were some weeds, but it wasn't nearly as bad. Right. So maybe I'll just take your advice and. Put the mulch down, see what happens. Right, and then just spot spray, you know, any of the weeds that do come up through the mulch. Yeah. 
Okay, sounds good to me. All right. Thank you. Yep, Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX. Yes, folks, we got about 12 minutes left for the of the Garden Hotline time. At 10 o'clock, Investing Sense with Andy Smith and Bob Richards. 11 o'clock, the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show with Scott Mosby. Then 11.45, the St. Louis Cardinals versus Miami Marlins. Cardinals and Marlins. Wow, sounds good. Let's go out to Chesterfield and go into Gary's yard. Hi, Gary. Hi, Gary. Uh, <laughs> hi, Mike. Hi. Uh, had a question for you. I've got some pin oaks, and they've got, I believe, wasp galls on right. them. Uh, anything I can do for those? Uh, basically, the existing galls, nothing you can do, but uh, you can have uh, tree service come out and do an injection system, and that may reduce the amount of galls that are going to be done every year, but uh, there's really not too much that can be done, to be honest. Is, is the tree going to survive, or is it tough? Well, I've seen, you know, I've been watching some trees for a long, long time, even in the woods, let's say in Fowles Park or things like that, and these trees have had a lot of galls on them, and they are still alive, and I've been watching them since I lived in Chesterfield when I first moved back to St. Louis, which was over, like 40-plus years ago. So, I mean, the galls are getting huge. They're ugly and everything else. There's no getting around that. But the galls per se, I mean, what happens is a lot of times the galls will suppress or they'll cut off the veins. So then that's why you see the galls with little twigs on the end of them on the ground because they've been broken off. And But also how that happens is squirrels like to chew on the galls because they're really hard, and squirrels have to chew on something that's hard, you know, to keep its lower teeth from growing into the roof of its mouth. Okay. So there's, you know, but galls in and of themselves are really not that problematic unless the weight of the galls get to be too much and causes the cracks and then moisture gets into the cracks. Uh, one thing I heard from a friend of mine is hanging uh, birdhouses out there and the birds will eat the the insects. Is that any truth to that? Well, I don't know. You know, I mean, wasps are not really, these are tiny wasps. So I don't know about birds. You know, you could try it. Maybe it's something I don't even know about, but uh, I just can't see the birds, you know, doing that. But maybe they could. Okay. All right, my friend. Thank you. Yep. And now let's go stay close by. Well, not totally, but down to Eureka into Linda's yard. Hi, Linda. Good morning. Uh, I have a question about surprise lilies. Mm -hmm. I have an area where the leaves come up beautifully every spring, but they never, ever flower. Really? Yeah. It's happened for about four, four or five years now. So should I just dig up the bulbs, or what do you think? Well, so you're not mowing. I mean, you're letting the leaves stay until they totally turn brown and then cutting them off because nobody's. this is not an area where they're in lawn, so somebody could be cutting. No. Okay, so it's in a bed? No, it's a raised, a raised bed, yeah. Really? Yeah, I, you know, I dig up some of the bulbs you know, the, with the foliage and just see how big the bulb is. Maybe they've just you know, kapoofed. They've exhausted themselves. How old are they? Um, old, probably 20 years. Oh, so that might be a factor as well, because that happens with the daffodils, too. The daffodils, as they get older, will continue to produce foliage, but they just don't have the energy to produce the flowers. So that might be what's happening. Just bad dirt, too, maybe. Well, if they're, push- you know, if they're pushing up foliage and they've been doing it for 20 years— 
I don't know if the soil, you know, generally they want an organic soil that's well-drained and all that other stuff, but it kind of indicates to me that if they're that old, the soil has not been all that bad. Okay, good. Okay. Uh, one more question. I, on, I've been looking at crabgrass and pre-emergent bags, mm-hmm. and there's such different numbers on the different brands, like 2807 and 1603. Uh, what do you need? Well, what you really need is your soil tested so you can find out what the nutrient level is. But those numbers really don't have anything to do with the pre-emergent. Those are the fertilizers that are associated with it. So the pre-emergent oh. kills a crabgrass, and the, then those numbers that you're talking about are nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. Those are fertilizers. So you're looking at a combination of fertilizer and pre-emergent. You can just get the pre-emergent by itself. You don't have to put the fertilizer down unless you just want to. So 28 is a little bit high you know, for nitrogen. That's the first number. And but if your soils usually I like the numbers to be a little bit lower as far as the you know the nitrogen goes, but uh, you know who knows that's why I'm always recommending soil tests because that's how you know what your soil needs. Okay, okay. Well, thank you very much. Certainly, yeah. It's I mean it's complicated, but yeah, pre-emergent and fertilizer together, you don't have to do it that way. Let's go to Collinsville and to Gary's yard. Hi, Gary. Hello. Good morning. Hi. Uh, I got. Uh, question on when I could plant my or stick them in the ground, my uh, cannas and my uh, uh, elephant ears and uh, put out my banana uh, trees. Uh, Basically, it's probably a little bit early for the banana trees because I'm assuming they still have above ground growth. The cannas and elephant ears, what I do personally is I put mine in pots and I leave them in the garage and then once they start sprouting, then I put them in the ground. You know, or leave them in the pot, whatever, you know, I happen to choose with those. It's probably a little bit premature because they're just going to sit there because the ground is still pretty cold to trigger the growth. But uh, so I would probably, you know, wait for a couple more weeks if you just want to just put them straight in the ground and start to see some growth relatively soon. Okay. All right. Thank you, then. Yep. So, you know, sometime first of April, first week in April, something along that line. And now let's go to Carlinville, and that's where Carol lives. Hi, Carol. Hi, uh, two quick questions. A few weeks ago, we talked about that it's not a good idea to put wood ash directly into your soil. Right. Is that something that you could work into a compost bin? Well, you could. It's just that, you know, the wood ash doesn't do all that much. It doesn't help. You know, that's kind of the bad side of the wood ash situation. Okay, and then other question is, um, I had a bumper crop of pecans this year, and I saved some of the shelves. As I crack them, mm-hmm. I was going to put those under my hostas to deter the slugs. Would that would that work? Would that be detrimental? Uh, Waste of time. Yeah, it's you know you could try it. I've never heard of anybody doing it, so it may you know may work. It may be you know. I just thought the sharp edges might exactly right deter. So okay. the thing okay. with the wood ashes. Adding wood ashes doesn't really help the soil structure. Chemically, it will add calcium, phosphorus, and potassium. But before spreading it onto your soil, you should have a soil test done. So that's what the ashes do. Okay, thank you. Yep. And now let's go to Guy, and Guy lives in St. Louis. Hi, Guy. Hi. um, I got a a real weedy lawn, and what I want to do is is I want to put some weed killer on it, and then I want to do seed and fertilizer 
But what do I do with that? I mean, do you do the fertilizer after the seed or before the seed? I, I just don't know. Well, there's a seed starter type fertilizer, so you do it right as you're putting the seed down. Not the same moment, but yeah, you want to get the seed down. And I would, if the first fertilizer application I would do would be a seed starter. So in other words, okay. that's one for starting seed. So, I mean, what could be better than that? But get the soil all ready. You know, don't just throw it on top of ground that hasn't been raked or something at least. So no, you, I've got to scrape it real good, you know, put the, uh, one of them things. I forget what they call it, you know, but uh, we got that part covered. I just uh, didn't know what to do with the seed and uh, fertilizer. Yeah, the Can seed. I fertilize and, it afterwards, too, again? or Yeah, you know, probably what you're going to do if... You know, you're, if it's a cool season seed you're putting down, like a fescue or bluegrass, you're going to put the seed starter down, and then when the seed's up starting to grow, then you're probably going to do one fertilizer application before mid-June. And then your okay. main fertilizing for cool season lawns, fescues and bluegrasses, is going to be September, October, November, and December. Okay. Thank you very much. Yep, good luck with that. And now uh, we're probably getting a little bit late, so thanks to everybody for calling in. Other things that you need to be thinking about as well. If you have, let's say, summer or fall-blooming perennials, this is a perfect time to get out there and divide them if you want to divide them. So this is a good time to do that. Uh, Other things that, uh, as I already said, the ornamental grasses, get those things taken care of. Uh, Any kind of heavy-duty pruning on your trees should be done before the buds start breaking. In other words, the new growth begins. That's just going to be to the advantage of the trees. And bedding plants, uh, if they're available, you know, like the pansies or the, uh, let's see, the toad flax, you can get those and get those in the ground if you can find them. I haven't been able to find any of them in the garden center. Uh, You know, toad flax, you can grow from seed. Pansies, you really can't. And for your rose bushes, this is the time of year when you usually, which you should have done, is have the mulch piled up pretty high on the roses. Even the, you know, probably knockout roses or shrub-type roses, you're not going to do that. But the hybrid teas, grandiflora, floribundas, those type of roses, just gradually start pulling the mulch back. Don't pull it back all at once because if we get a cold snap and who knows what's going to happen then you could, I mean, the crown of the plant could have some real damage to it. So that's why you want to be very careful about that. In your lawns, such a mower, if you haven't cut your grass yet at all, regardless of the type, whether it's a zoysia, bluegrass, or fescue, the first cut should be fairly close. Don't scalp. Don't scratch. Don't get too close to the ground. You want the blades to be about an inch or so. So do that, you know, ASAP, because the new growth on your lawn is going to start, uh, you know, happening real soon. And the over, you know, the bare spots, overseeding those locations, yeah, go out and rake really good, get some seed, and get some seed starter fertilizer. With your houseplants, any of them that have elongated due to the wintertime, less light, and all that other stuff, it's a good time you can go ahead and prune those. Don't put them outside yet, because... And it's not just necessarily because tomorrow there's going to be snow. It's temperature-wise it's more important than the actual snow, you know, actually hitting the ground. And your bulbs, as I said in the last hour, I believe, if you put bulb booster fertilizer down and you sprinkle it and it gets onto the foliage of your bulbs, you got to wash it off. If you don't, it's going to burn holes in the leaves of your bulbs. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. I will see you next week.
The voice of the blues. News Radio 1120 KMOX. KMOX HD St. Louis. 102.5 KEZK. HD3 St. Louis. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.